Hello and welcome to another episode of the 60 Go podcast. My name is Tom Canfell and it's great to have your company. My guest today is Jarrell Yayi. If careers were based on just the first 50 games, Jarrell would probably be an immortal. But it was great to have him on today to have a chat about all things going on in the world of footy. And for as good as a player he was, he's an even nicer bloke. Hope you enjoy our chat. Here's Jarrell Yayi. I'm joined by Jarrell Yayi as the next guest of the 60 Go podcast. Jarrell, good afternoon, mate. How are you? Good, Tom. How are you, mate? Really good. Appreciate you coming on. And I've got six topics to cover with you today. And I'll kick things off with the Dolphins. In the preseason, most people would have had the Dolphins struggling this year. They were in most people's bottom four. And they were the favourite for the wooden spoon. They swung and missed a lot of marquee players. Munster, Ponga, Grant, Smith, Walsh, to name a few. I know it's only round five now. But how have they been able to exceed everyone's expectations so far? I think um, when you've got a coach like Wayne, and um, you know he's, he's been here before. He loves the pressure situations. Uh, you know he's been a part of a of a um, of a side that uh, you know just started in the Broncos way back in the day as well when he first uh, started really his uh, professional coaching. So I think we we wipe them off because. You're right. You talk about those marquee players. Um, they didn't actually get the men that they really wanted on the big money. But I think, in a way, it's probably it's probably going to help them uh, later down the track uh, in you know their dynasty and how they um, how they grow as a as an organisation. We know that um, they've obviously got some great people behind the scenes. Um, I just think that. Uh, as we move forward and watch them play a bit of footy, are they going to be able to handle, um, you know, later in the year footy with, you know, with not as much depth as they we all thought they'd have? After, <laughs> after missing on those players, do you think Wayne secretly loved the fact that they weren't able to land one of those superstars so he could go, okay, this team is going to be moulded exactly how I want it? Yeah, I, look, I think in a way, when you talk about the... Sorry, mate. When um, when you talk about how particular he was about, I think, Munster, and obviously there was a little bit of drama there about how he he wanted to to get him really bad. I think at the end of the day, it's probably going to help them in the long run. Um, uh, I mean, we know what he's like. Like I said before, we know what he's like. We know where uh, the idea he has in his head of what he wants and how he wants to grow this. So, you know, at the end of the day, Maybe not having the marquee player, yeah, is going to be the best thing for them, and they're going to be able to, you know, prove a couple of people wrong. But also in the, you know, in the gist of that as well, it doesn't mean if they don't go far, then they've actually got something to fall back on and say, well, we didn't really get our marquee player. So it's sort of a, this is this is what I mean about Wayne. He loves these situations. He's he's thriving off this right now. This is this is where it's going to be really testing for them, though, isn't it? We've got Sean O'Sullivan down, Felice Cafusi suspended, so a bit of reshuffling here. Their depth certainly gets tested from now. Yeah, it does, and this is what um, I think the biggest issue was with a lot of critics uh, who were in the game, me included. Um, you know, I didn't realise they were going to get off to such a great start, but I also, you know, thought that they weren't going to be. Be, uh, you know, they, they weren't going to be busters uh, straight out of the box, but this will this will definitely you know 
test them this time because we know that they don't have great depth. Um, but in saying that, I'll go back to him again. He he really, really thrives with these moments, Wayne does. And when you're backed up against the wall, he's always been the coach that always comes out the other side. So um, I know I'm probably getting splinters in my bum here and saying, like, I'm not sure where I'll go <laughs> with this, but I still think they're really going to struggle if they if they lose a couple more key spots. I mean, obviously, yes, you lose Sean, but you gain an experienced half and um, Anthony Milford to put his hand up and stand up now. So, um, yeah, they've obviously got some youngsters, some great talent coming through as well. So it will be a test for them. If they keep their forward pack together, I think they'll they'll uh, they'll put a dent in this competition. But yeah, it really will be tested for the rest of the year. As a former player, I'll ask you: Do you view them as an attractive club to go to? Um, yeah, I do actually. Um, the reasons why why I say yes because I mean, does it get any better? You know, living on the water or in Redcliffe, um, you've got a community behind you. You basically you're basically manly, but in Queensland, <laughs> like you're. Um, that's just the way I look at it. Like it, you've got a whole town behind you. you. You know, you get around the town. You've got a great vibe. You know, and that club has been. You know, has got a lot of history. Um, Redcliffe Dolphins do. You know, I mean, this club is the Dolphins, but they they've got a lot of history that um, I think people will want to be a part of. And at first, I you know, when they first came onto the scene, there was a Obviously, there was a bid for Ipswich as well. Um, and then when you, you know, juggle that up together, I mean, there's been some great footy players come out of Ipswich, but players these days want a place where they can live that's nice. And um, what's 40 minutes, 35 minutes from the city of Brisbane. Uh, you live on the water, got a beautiful golf course up there, um, some nice pubs to go to. Uh, you don't really have to move, go too far. Sunny Coast is not far away, so... It's a very attractive club to go to if you are a hockey player. Big story in the past week, the 11-day stand-down for concussions. What do you think of the new change? Love it. Um, obviously, being a former player myself um, and me personally going out with um, my career in injuries, um, I never really thought about concussions, obviously, when I was playing in the game, but... Uh, the more I think about it now, there might not have been there might be some underlying stuff, you know, in my career. Maybe um, you know, I had a lot of head knocks playing footy, and um, even just little things like, I mean, I know this sounds weird, but going on little rides with my son that um, that twist and turn, um, I, I get very dizzy really easy. So oh, yeah. um, I think that's you know played a big part um, in you know where I'm where I am at the moment. Um, so. Yeah, I, I think having to have those things in play to make sure that we're protecting the players, as much as you don't want that because you're a competitor and you'll see every single player try and fight it uh, to come off the field. They don't want to come off because they, they want to win. Uh, it's going to be tough to get used to, but they will realise that later down the track that it's going to be the best thing for them. When you played Gerald, this is only ten years ago, and we're learning we're learning things all the time, and it's 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 a it's a constantly changing environment because we're learning new stuff about the brain all the time. When you played, did you see guys that were knocked out, for example, the week before? And was there any was there any subconscious thought of going, man, you were only concussed four days ago for a five day turnaround, and yet here we are? 
Was there was there ever that thought when you were playing? Because it wasn't that long ago. Never. I mean, you know, I mean, I can only really talk of personal experiences, but I sure concussions for me. Uh, you know, I, I just went in with everything, and I, you know, I wasn't I wasn't as big when I was first started my career. So you needed to, as in the sense of to to try and put those bigger boys down. Um, I just sort of remember getting told. Things like, you know, don't go to sleep. Um, you've got to stay awake for a long period of time. We've got to monitor you. Um, but, you know, as the week went on, you know, I got better. And, yeah, I, I never missed a game from having a concussion in a short turnaround ever. But it, and that seems crazy um, to think that now players have got a 11-day turnaround to even think about, you know, if I... And for the Broncos, for me, you know, it was Friday on Friday, so... I never really... It was always Friday night games to me. So I'd yep. be concussed on a Friday and I'd play on a Friday. Um, so this this is why I say that it needs to happen because otherwise we're going to see underlying stuff that happens after rugby league and it's going to be too late. So we need to protect our players. They're the ones that, um, you know, puts the bums on, put the bums on their seats. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all for the, uh, the new rules. Do you think it's actually vital now that we follow a similar strategy as they do, for example, in the NFL, where there's actually a two-week gap in between the conference championships and then the Super Bowl? Do you think we should have a two-week gap in between the prelim and the grand final? I think the, the reason why we probably wouldn't have that is because it takes away a... Uh, it's, it's a different game, the NFL. You use a lot of stoppages. Um, there is a lot of planning to go into. I think you can, you can lose so much execution in two weeks not playing footy yeah. so I think you lose that you know the competitiveness and the sharpness of the game if you, if you wait two weeks to play a semi or a grand final you're going to lose that yeah you're going to lose that factor of players losing a little bit of uh, a bit of spark about them and we don't want that we, we, we obviously want them at the best of their best and that's why it's hard to watch you know origin games and then players for the art it is sucky but that's the re- that's the whole reason we play Origin so close together and end games because when you play those games you come out more confident and you play even better when you come back and play in the NRL game. So the, there's there's a method behind the madness and it is it does suck in that way, but that's the reason why I think the game does it is because they're going to get the best out and they're going to get the best product out of uh, the game. It's bound to happen. We're going to have a stage sooner rather than later where someone will get a concussion before a really big game this year, whether it be Origin or, or a final, for example. And if that player says, I feel fine, it's my body, I want to play, and it's all good, what what would your argument be against him? As someone who's played and, and has, has had some post-career symptoms yourself. Yeah, I mean, like I said again, it's, it's a tough one to talk about because... These, these boys don't want to stop playing at the top of their game. Yeah. They don't want to, but I think it needs to be, if it's taken out of the player's hands, that's the best way to do it. And they're not going to like it. And you might miss grand finals. You might miss, um, you know, you might miss big games like Oregon. But at the end of the day, the, the we've, we've got to take into account the player's care. Uh, and, and that's just the, the fact of it. And no, no one's going to like hearing it. You know what I've just said. <laughs> yes, that's just a, that's just the facts. But it's you can't risk something for right now for the long term health of you and your family that are like in the long run because it could it could be fatal. I mean, we've seen 
you know, we've seen things that, um, and we've seen, um, you know, science, you know, that comes with this. So you've got to make sure that you're doing all the right things. And if that means you're going to miss out, well, that means you just got to be better at how you play the game and how you go into tackles, how you twist and turn. Like it's, they've got to practice. They're going to have to practice more techniques, uh, tackling techniques, how you, how, where you put your head. And that just comes with, the game and then how it evolved. Someone in the news in the past week or so in particular has been one of your coaches while you're at the Broncos and that was Anthony Griffin. Uh, what was it like in your experience getting coached by Hook? Yeah, I get I get this question asked a lot, um, away from, you know, media, like the people just ask me, you know, you know, what was it like? And I have nothing but respect for this man. Uh, he was a great coach, um, great mentor for a lot of us young players that, are, that were coming through the Broncos. Um, and if you're asking me, you know, was it easy to play for him? Yeah, it was so easy. I didn't really have to think about it too much. Um, he brought such a great culture uh, and the way he dealt with things at the Brisbane Broncos. Um, you can ask any of those under-20s players, uh, you know, Majority of those Broncos players that have played with him will, will, will say the same thing as me. Um, so I'm not sure, not sure what's going on um, at St George at the moment. He he certainly went through a transitional period with you guys there at the Broncos and at Penrith as well. He's someone who I don't think gets the credit he deserves. For example, he's he's pretty much the only coach ever to be sacked while in the top four. Before the two, before two weeks of the finals yeah. at Penrith, it, it, do you feel the same that he probably doesn't get the credit he deserves? Yeah, I, look, and I, I, like I said, I know Hook. He would never be reading into anything like this. He's always got his um, sights set on the job uh, that's that's in front of him. But it's really hard, I suppose, when you take on such a big club like St George uh, and all the history that comes with it. It's a tough. Yeah, it's just it's a really tough situation to be in. Um, for him right now, I mean, I just I'm not sure how they um, get better. I know that he's done a lot of work with the juniors down there and how they've developed and and what they've done. So you know, we don't we don't actually know. You you don't actually see what's on the you know behind the scenes stuff with with Anthony. And um, I yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where they're going to go. You know where he's going to go. I don't think he does get a good I know that he's only came on and back in 2021, I believe, and they haven't made the finals. Just missed out last year. Um, haven't had the you know the greatest start this year. Um, but the way I see it in this coaching gig, you either had to let him go, you know, before at the end of last year, or you let him play out the year and say, look, halfway through the year, this is going to be. Or you just let him play it out and see where he goes and then you deal with the contract situation after the season's finished. Because I, I just don't see how sacking a coach... And this is just not with Anthony. I just don't see how you can see sacking a coach now um, does anything for the club. Like, it, 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 for me, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for them. It actually puts them back to square one. So um, the last time they went well was 2018. I think first year they've lost... Uh, a lot of players, and you know, they, this is their second coach now since then. So, um, I, I, they weren't far off it last year, and I believe they've just got to give him an opportunity to to make things right. And if they don't, well, that's their decision. But I think they're making the wrong. 
What's it like as a player when you know your head coach is under the pump? Um, oof, That's a good question because I've never actually been in that situation before. So um, it'd be hard for me to, you know, to, to, to say because I've always been with coaches that have always... Well, actually, no, that's a lie. Ivan Enjak, sorry. <laughs> I was coached by Ivan Enjak and uh, Hook actually took his position after about, I think it was maybe after... Yeah, it was actually before the season started. So, look, we, I just don't think you read into it. Like, I just, I was, yeah, I didn't really think anything of it when I was um, playing. I, my job was, you know, to, to to suit up every week and to make sure that I, you know, did the right thing and put whatever number I got put on my back. That's that's what I did. So, obviously, you don't want those disruptions, um, but. If it happens, you just that's life. You've got to move on and you've just got to move forward. On the reverse side, have you ever been in a situation where a marquee player at your club was coming off contract and does it get talked about amongst the group? Um, yeah, probably when I was in there. Back in my day, it was more of a piss take. Like, it never really was serious like it is now. I think more people are worried about if you're going to sign or you're going to shout a feed or you're going to take it to the pub. <laughs> Um, that in that in that, but because there's just so much media around what happens with contracts and 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 with managers that probably leak stuff. Because we look, it's a game of it's a, it's a world of rugby league, and it's a, in professional sports. We all know that managers like to talk uh, to other clubs or put you know put things out there to to try and to try and put their uh, their prices up for their player. That's you know, that's that's smart. That's just the way that this that this game's run. So it'd be hard to not watch a, a marquee player go through some media scrutiny. For me, if it was me, I would just I'm I'm not a person who likes to there's different you know, different horses for course and I'm just a person I'll just I'll just say if you put something in front of me and it's and it's something that I like, I'll just sign it. I'm not even gonna because that's obviously you want the most money, but I'm I'd rather get that out of the way and then play good footy uh, instead of having a circus around me um, because we've seen it in the last couple of months with obviously Mitchell Moses um, and his situation. I mean, they probably did it at the right time. I mean, imagine <laughs> imagine if Parramatta had lost to Penrith and he just signed that contract. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine the stick he'd be getting? I mean, he's already getting sticks because he hasn't really... T- he hasn't won that grand final yet. He hasn't done that yet, but... Um, in saying that, uh, I'm glad he's staying at Parramatta because, you know, for the Parramatta fans, that's that's what they wanted. So, you know, as a, as a fan, that's probably you're probably pretty happy in that situation. Well, I was going to mention Mitch, and we've just seen him go through this, and no matter what the exact figure is, we know that it was big money, right? So, and he, he lingered around for a while. Do you think that there is a point where there is any resentment by his teammates during those periods going, hey, come on, you know, like... This is a distraction now. Depends. If you're playing shit footy, yeah, it probably is. But I, <laughs> I actually don't. I, I, don't, I don't think Mitch was playing terrible in the first couple. Of, I think their their team as a collective was playing pretty bad. I don't like actually not playing pretty bad. Sorry, I, I'll, I'll take that back because they they lost four points the first two weeks. So it was a tight game against Melbourne round one, um, and I think they lost against uh, who was it? They they only lost by four points against Manly. Um, and then they obviously go, uh, who else did they Cronulla. play? But anyway, there was, Cronulla. yeah, Cronulla, but it wasn't much in it. 
there was not much in it. So they were just off the mark. So if Mitch is playing terrible, then you're probably going, you're probably saying, oh, look, you need to sort this out because it's affecting your game. But um, it seems like it wasn't. He was he was playing well, and but in saying that, when he did play Penrith and he had signed a contract, he played out of his skin. He kicked over the most. He kicked the most um, kicking meters in the in the NRL history. So um, there might be something to it. <laughs> Fair enough. Can we talk about South Sydney for a moment? Cody and Latrell obviously are supremely talented. There's no denying that. But over the past three weeks, I'd argue in particular, Cody's lack of ability to control his emotions at some stages has cost them games. What do you see when you watch South play? Yeah, I mean, we've always... It's a hard one because we've always seen that with Cody. You never... I don't think... I think we've got to come to the conclusion as people who watch the game. That's just how he plays. And I think Jace Demetrio understands how both of those superstars perform and how they they wear their heart on their sleeves. So he understands that. It's just how, I suppose, Jason's just got to get the best out of him and how he directs that in the right direction. Um, and as a coach, it's never easy to do that. But, um, I mean, it's a good headache to have because once they hit their straps, poof, it's hard to stop them too. Um, they'll put that team on you know, their shoulders and just and just go. So, yeah, I love, I love I love the way they play. I do love the way they play, but they do need a tiny few things they need to fix up. But like I said, I think it's it's not us to be able to decide that. It's Jason Demetrio and see how he, uh, they fix up their, their, their type of game. I love when South play expansive uh, footy. It's some of the best footy in the competition. And, like, I mean... Would we really want to change Rabbitohs too much? They've been to, what, the prelim uh, grand finals in the last... Since about 16, I think, they've, they've, they've featured in those big games so many times. So as a as a Rabbitohs fan, if you're, if you're a Rabbitohs fan, you just, you're, you're salivating again for this year because it's hard to break that squad up. None of them want to go anywhere. They all want to stay around. So they're obviously building a great culture um, there at that club. It's just when they start to sort of fall apart a little bit, when they when players start to go somewhere else, that's when you'll probably see a bit more cracks in, in that side. Finally, Gerald, I'd just like to ask you a little bit about yourself. Your career was obviously derailed through a really unfortunate injury. What was the biggest source of strength in what I can imagine was a pretty lonely time? Oof. Um, caught me off guard with that one, Tom. <laughs> um, I think... For me, um, probably, I mean, it's a pretty cliche answer, but, you know, family and friends, having people close in, in a really tough time uh, when you end your career, you know, you're, something you love doing since you were a kid at 21 years old, uh, 22 years old, so that's pretty, it's a pretty heavy thing to think about. But, um, man, I've, I've landed on my feet, um, so to speak, pardon the pun. <laughs> didn't land on my feet that night, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I've, in in my world, I've you know I've I've succeeded and probably gone over and above to where I thought I would be in my life at the moment. So you know you've got people who are still trying to achieve things that I did at 22 years old, which you know I'm never going to be upset about that. I'm so happy that I you know had those opportunities to play for my country, state, and for my beloved Broncos. Um, but I've you know I've like I said I've I've just come leaps and bounds in who I am as a person. If you told me that I'd be doing 
you know, my own breakfast show here in Brisbane um, five years ago, I'd be telling you to talk shit <laughs> pretty much. Uh, if you told me that, you know, I'd be, you know, on doing content for Neds on the NRL con- the, the content, I'd be, you know, the same thing. And, um, you know, I'm working for a company uh, that has grown and come leaps and bounds over the last five years in Bloke in a Bar with, with Den and Kemp. And, um, you know, I'm part of something really special there. So I, I just, yeah, I, I can't really fault anything that I've done after my footy career. And, I've, you know, I've got a little family now. I've got a wife, I've got a son. Um, so I I thoroughly think that, and I've, I'm thoroughly enjoying my life. So, um, you know, for any footy players out there who think that rugby league is the, is the only way, well, you know, you, you, can, you can land on your feet somewhere else as well. Has anyone ever come to you when they've had a significant injury or their career might have been at a bit of a crossroads? And what was your advice to them? Yeah, I've had a few. I'm, I'm not sure if I've ever had someone come to me. I'm sort of the person who've always reached out to people, like I, because I I can understand uh, their frustration or their pain. So I'm always the one to take the first step, I suppose, um, to help anyone, whether that's contacting them over social media. Social media is such a great thing and such a terrible thing at times. But yeah. you know, you can you can you can uh, contact people you never even thought you you could at times. So yeah, look, I've I've always my advice for people is. Is, is what I sort of just said then. It's, there's life... I think a lot of these footy... You know, a lot of players that play the game think that's all they are is a person who can play rugby league um, because I know I thought I was. I thought that's the only thing I could do in my life. So, um, you know, I just... I don't know. I try to reiterate to people who, you know, have injuries who think they might be over that... Your life's only just beginning, really. I mean, like, well, people retire at 34. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's it's actually laughable, Tom, you know, we're, we're sitting here and say, you think about that, we, you retired from playing the game of footy at 34, your life's only just begun. So, um, yeah, I just try to explain to people that rugby league is something that it's a privilege to play this game at the highest level. So if you get that opportunity, don't think that you just... You're going to do it forever because it might not be only only a small amount of people get to do it. So, but I but I want to you know reiterate to them that it's 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 so important to understand that you are bigger than the you know just putting on a jersey and playing footy. Yes, that might be part of your identity, but you are you've got so much more you know strings to your bow. And I I've tried to sort of myself try to cut, go away a little bit from the game just to understand that and. Um, you know, 14 and a half years in the Brisbane Broncos and then moved on and didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And now I'm, now I'm making more money than I was, you know, because, <laughs> because I work my bum off. Yeah. You know, and and now, I'm, now I'm loving it. And all that stuff is going towards, um, you know, my labour in my life. And that's my family, my wife, my, my mum, you know, my brother and, and my little guy who... It was going to be the next generation for us, so um, you know that's that's probably my biggest advice and and what I would what I've said and what I will say to to any footy player. My, my last question to you is: you obviously had to transfer from uh, playing to a post playing career a lot earlier than expected. What did you do to help you in that process when you realised that this was probably it? And also, do you think that the game can be doing more to help players? <clears throat> oh, um, the 
question about the, if the game could be doing more, maybe. But I'm not, like I said, I've separated myself, you know, fully from the game now. So I couldn't actually tell you um, how deep it goes, like behind yeah. closed doors. So, um, but I know that, you know, I did get a lot of help uh, by the Brisbane Broncos. That's in the sense of what do you want to do? Not that they gave me the best guidance. They gave me options, but... You know, if if I had an opportunity, I would have probably caressed me a little bit more and and helped me through different phases of of my life. Um, so, yeah, the the answer is, I mean, I, we we could always be better, right? I think they can always be better in helping, um, you know, players do this because I think you look at this game, it's like an apprenticeship, right? If you you get you, you do your apprenticeship all these years and you finally get to your job. I see a lot of my mates who did apprenticeships and then got and then got their trade and then they didn't want to do it because they just had it up. And that's sort of the way the game. Sometimes the game is. It's not that you don't want to do it. It's that you don't make it. And you've given all your time and effort into one. Put all your eggs into one basket. It's really hard to separate yourself from the identity that you have. That is rugby league. So. I think we're getting better at it, Tom. Like, don't get me wrong. I think we're getting so much better, and and as the years go on, we will we will get way way better. Um, so I hope, yeah, I hope the uh, I hope the competition um, really grabs a hold of you know that life after footy um, for our footy players. Well, Gerald, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the 60O podcast today. It's been a real thrill to get to meet you in the past couple of weeks. We caught up for a drink uh, a couple of weeks ago when you were in town. Uh, really appreciate your time and coming on. Hopefully not the last time. Yeah, thanks, mate. Really appreciate you coming on and telling my story a little bit. Um, too easy, Tom. A big thanks to Gerald for coming on the show. It's a big thrill to work with and talk to people who were not only amazing on the field, but even better off it. And that's certainly the case with Gerald. By the way, if you want to get in contact with me, you can on Twitter at TCanfell. And don't forget to give the 60O Facebook page a like as well. My name is Tom Canfell. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. And until next time, this has been a 60O podcast and that is full time.